0: Hey, welcome once again. This is Elle at Iron Dove. Dialogue is the key to reform. Access is the key to dialogue. At Iron Dove, you can find both. Come on down, talk it up, and let's see what we can figure out. This is the part three and final part of Speak Out, Civil Disobedience, the State of the Union, whatever you want to call it. And, uh... I've gone back into history a little bit to find out what some people have said about civil disobedience. Henry David Thoreau on civil disobedience. I heartily accept the motto that government is best which governs least. I should like to see it acted upon more rapidly and systematically. Carried out It finally amounts to this, which also I believe, that government is best which governs not at all. And he goes on to say, but the standing army is only an arm of the standing government. The government itself, which is only the mode for which people have chosen to execute their will, is equally liable to be abused and perverted before the people can act through it witnessed the present Mexican War, the work of comparatively a few individuals using the standing government as their tool for, in the outset, the people who would not have consented to this measure. Today is no different. The words of Henry David Thoreau fit perfectly today in our current war situation So let me rephrase that. Witness the present Iraqi war, the work of comparatively a few individuals using the standing government as their tool, for in the outset the people would not have consented to this measure. This American government, what is it but a tradition? Though a recent one endeavoring to transmit itself unimpaired to posterity, but each instant losing some of its integrity... It is not the vitality and force of a single living man, for a single man can bend to his will. It is sort of wooden gun to people themselves. This is such a beautifully written statement that I, I urge you all to go and read it. And, and you can just do an internet search and search for Civil Disobedience by Henry David Thoreau. He's a fantastic writer, of course. And the way that he expresses himself... Is really beautiful. He writes at one point, All voting is a sort of gaming, like checkers or backgammon, with slight moral tinge to it, a playing with right and wrong, with moral questions, and betting naturally accompanies it. The character of the voters is not staked. I cast my vote, perchance, as I think right, but I am not vitally concerned that right should prevail. I am willing to leave it to the majority. La la la, la la la. Unjust laws exist. Shall we be content to obey them, or shall we endeavor to amend them? And obey them until we have succeeded, or shall we transgress them at once? Men generally, under such a government as this, think that they ought to wait until they have persuaded the majority to alter them. They think that if they should resist the remedy, would be worse than the evil. But it is the fault of the government itself that the remedy is worse than the evil. It makes it worse. Why is it not more apt to anticipate and provide for reform? Why does it not cherish this, its wise minority? Why does it cry and resist before it is hurt? Why does it not encourage the citizens to put out its faults and do better than it would have them? Why does it always crucify Christ and excommunicate Copernicus and Luther and pronounce Washington and Franklin rebels? One would think that a deliberate and practical denial of this authority was the only offense never contemplated by its government, else why has it not assigned it as a definite suitable and proportionate penalty? Towards the end of his article, he writes, No man with a genius for legislation has appeared in America. They are rare in the history of the world. There are orators, politicians, and eloquent men by the thousands. But the speaker has not yet opened his mouth to speak who is capable of settling the much-vexed questions of the day. With love, eloquence for his own sake, and for not any truth which may utter or any heroism it may inspire. Our legislators have not yet learned the comparative value of free trade and freedom, of union, of rectitude to a nation. Some of the things that were changed by social involvement. The 1900s, the National Health Insurance Movement. 1910, the first feminist movement. And the prison reform movement. In the 20s, Birth control movement, women's suffrage movement started and died. Prohibition, the 30s, the New Deal, Social Security, 1936, the 40s, women are entering the workforce. It's World War II. There's Japanese internment camps. The United Nations Declaration of Human Rights is written needed and written. The Danish resistance. In the 1950s, it was the opposition to McCarthyism. In the 60s, Migrant Workers, Harvest of Shame by Edward R. Murrow. The struggle against apartheid. The pill. The civil rights movement. Cesar Chavez. Assassination of Kennedy. Martin Luther King. And another Kennedy. In 1969, 500,000 turned down Washington, D.C. to protest the Vietnam War. In the 70s, the anti-war activists, peace marches, the 70s, environmental movements, the standoff at Wounded Knee, Nixon resigns, Vietnam War goes raging out of control, Roe v. Wade in the 1970s. I mean, think about this. We're actually even considering, re-looking at Roe v. Wade, 70s, the 1970s. The women's movement's second wave of feminism and women's rights starts for battered women and women's shelters. In the 80s, it was the Polish Trade Union. In 1980, women who were concerned with the destruction of the earth and connections between feminism and nonviolence were coming together. November 1980 and 81, the Women's Pentagon actions, hundreds of women, came together to challenge patriarchy and militarism. The movement spawned peace camps at military bases around the world. The AIDS crisis, ERA, is still an issue. Started all the way back in 1920s. Still, we haven't achieved final acceptance of the Equal Rights Amendment. Still, unbelievable. Hasn't been ratified. Disgraceful. Amnesty International, 1980s. There's the farm crisis. There's more peace movements. Anti-nuclear war movements. 1990s, we've got the... National health insurance movement emerging again from all the way back in 1910. You know, it's amazing nothing goes on. Nothing gets accomplished. Affordable housing is a crisis. There's sexual harassment. There's all kinds of issues and problems. Lewis Fisher, Mahatma Gandhi's biographer, said that his greatness, quote, lay in doing what everyone could do, but doesn't. And These women represent what anyone can do, but doesn't. And we need to start thinking about doing, all of us. These courageous women are willing to put themselves where their conscience is. In uh, in Gandhi's own words, when talking about his salt march in the 1930s to free India from British colonialism, Gandhi said, the course of action was adopted, as it is always adopted, by the Mahatma in obedience to the voice of the inner self. So when he chose to lead this act of civil disobedience, he just was listening to his his voice of true inner self. And we all have to do that. The voice of true inner self is, everybody knows what the right thing to do is. Really. And yet, It's so much easier not to do it because by doing something like making a statement, wearing a shirt that says 2,242 dead, how many more, by taking a small bit of your blood and pouring it onto a GI Joe doll in a symbolic demonstration of what happens You're making a statement. And by making that statement, you are acting on your inner voice. If you see someone injured on the sidewalk, you stop and you help them. When you see your country injured on the sidewalk, shouldn't you stop and help them? Of course you should. You must, we must, because our children's future is at stake. When we see that this country is flying out of control because of megalomaniacs and power hungry individuals, we have to stop and and, and take a look. James Clurfield of the Newsday, writes on with regard to the Bush spying defense. What baffles me is that there are no compelling national security reasons for Bush to have instituted his program for listening to communications of U.S. citizens without judicial warrant. The Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act of 1978 authorizes such eavesdropping as long as it is approved by a special court, and it gives the executive a 72-hour loophole. That's three whole days to conduct the surveillance without a warrant. Law recognizes that emergencies exist in the presidency, etc., etc. He goes on to say, Instead of the White House... Instead, the White House is claiming unfettered power that not only violates the Surveillance Act, it runs smack dab against the principles of checks and balances on which our Constitution is based. Claiming unfettered, unchecked, unbalanced power to protect national security is how dictators operate. They almost always justify their usurpations of power on the need to protect the people from an outside force, on the inherent need to protect the national security of their country. And if you don't think this type of power can be abused in a democracy, then you are not familiar with the illegal files of J. Edgar Hoover. And it goes on, et cetera, et cetera. This is the slipperiest of slopes. Who knows what types of information the government is gathering on any of us because George W. has broken through all the checks and balances, and he's proud, and he is going to base the 2000 midterm elections on having done so. It is truly scary. And it is truly scary. We have checks and balances in this country to protect people from megalomaniac dictators, from people that, for whatever reason, believe that they're above the law. So, in conclusion... Like I've said before, your vote counts. The power of one is very strong. Action speaks. Non-action is a decision, just like action is a decision. Civil disobedience. The right to say no. The right to speak and say, George W., I think you're doing a lousy job. Senate, I think you're doing a lousy job. Half of the people who are working, quote-unquote, for us in Washington are corrupt. What happened to the Abramson thing? What happened to that? Swept under the rug. What's happening with the Enron trial? Quiet, quiet. The people might find out that uh, you guys are playing uh, squirrely games. We know you're playing squirrely games. But the problem is, people, you need to write. You need to vote. You need to speak. You need to put it out there and stand up for what you believe in. And I commend these women, and I commend these two men, and I encourage you to go to their website there's an address where they are in prison write to them give them support write to Cindy Sheehan go into the websites of there are peace organizations all over this country they're cropping up every day new ones i'm going to start a list on my website of all kinds of peace organizations because there are so many there are so many the power of one is strong because we are one people on one planet that we share and can share in a civil, compassionate, loving way. And that's what I think. Come on down and let me know what you think. I would really love to know. Until tomorrow, this is Elle at Iron Dove signing out.